0: Good Monday, Monster or Tuesday, whatever day it may be that you are letting us defile your ear holes. This is Matt, and I probably should have led with that, but anywho, I want to remind you to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We've been experiencing a good bit of growth lately, so thank you for that. Please keep spreading the word and enjoy the show.
1: welcome to monster porn weird fiction and horror podcast well that was a freudian slip today's story is back scratch circle jerk by matt cummins
0: Bread for the past few days, and it's time for us to record a story. The way he was talking last time, God, I hope he didn't do anything drastic. Unless it was buy a Lamborghini. Man, I hope he bought a Lamborghini. Well, he wasn't at the library in the section of musty old books with the weird letters, and he wasn't down at the river seeking wisdom from the river beast. I guess that means he must be up on Thunder Mountain hanging out with the sp- Spirits? And the only way to know if he's there is to go see, since the Luddite thinks taking his phone up there is sacrilege or something. Come to think of it, if they're in such familiar terms, I don't know why he has to travel up Thunder Mountain, and why he can't just text God and his angels. I should get on board with the modern world. Ah, oh, man, it's Saturday, and I really don't don't want to leave the house today but ah what did i trip on where did this mound of dirt in my backyard come from what the hell is that is that a gravestone who the fuck has been burying things in my backyard ha ah, my daughters are going to need a talking to Holy shnikes! (laughs) Ah, Whoever is in the grave is sitting up.
1: (coughs) Matt. Hey, man.
0: Why are you in a grave in my backyard?
1: Is that a rhetorical question?
0: Is that a rhetorical grave?
1: It is important to practice being dead so you're ready when it happens.
0: You have some topsoil in your
1: scruff. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that my Stephen King book in the dirt?
1: You need something to do when you're dead.
0: And a mummified cat?
1: Well, yes. I'm rather conservative when it comes to traditional funeral practices. I like to keep it normal. According to the Egyptian amduat, you need a dead cat to kill all the snakes. And man, there are a lot of them.
0: You need a girlfriend.
1: Oh, that's not actually required by the Egyptian Om Duat. But I do need to get a boat.
0: Anyway, I have a story for Monster Porn. Can we get it recorded?
1: Oh, yeah. I can be done being dead for the day.
0: Thanks for making some time in your schedule. The door swung open and two men came inside, dripping wet. How's this for spring, the stocky, bald man said. His chin was wrapped in four days of stubble that ended where his hairline should have started. His glasses fogged over as soon as he crossed the threshold. It's a hell of a morning, a tall, thin man with a beard said. There were already several people gathering in the room, men and women wearing all different types of dress from casual to formal, Some wore uniforms. There was even a cowboy hat riding high on the back of the head of a man with a short red beard. Well, we're gonna have a full house, a short, gray-headed woman said. I hope Macy shows up this time. Fat chance, Tate said as he wiped his glasses off on his black company polo shirt that had Tech World PC repair stitched into the fabric. More like fat ass, Lucas thought, and it made him smile. He didn't trust Macy, she of the wide load and the fear-mongering. Luke could picture her presentation already, something along the lines of, do business with me or fear the swinging dick of the IRS. He smiled again at his own joke, and he wondered if he was the only member of the group who seemed to find it all to be such bullshit. Maybe he was too cynical, but he wasn't sure how much more of this group he could handle. Did other people just not see it? You look happy, builder man," Tate said as Lucas smiled. "Natural enthusiasm," Tate, Lucas said and thought, "go fuck a cactus," Tate. He wondered if Tate was short for tater or potato. The man kind of looked like a walking potato, lumpy tan skin and a bald head to boot. A few more familiar faces walked in the door, and behind them came a man dressed in a long peacoat. He had a black hat on, was clean shaved and was remarkably handsome. Lucas saw that a couple of the women had already taken notice. Tate was staring at him with his mouth open, and Lucas thought, Tater wants to tongue-juggle some tater tots, and smiled at his own joke. Good morning, the tall-bearded fellow said. I'm Ron with PCL Financial. Hello there, Ron. I'm Stan, the man said, and he flashed a pearly white smile. Are you going to drool on yourself, tater potato tate? Lucas thought, and he was caught off guard when suddenly Stan was smiling at him. No, he isn't smiling, Lucas thought. He grinned at me. Uh, hi, I'm Lucas, uh, with LC Builders, he said. You don't remember, do you? Stan said, and Lucas shook his head. Do I remember him? He thought. No. He knew that he didn't there was something familiar. It was like a smell that he had smelled years before. There was something in his perception that took him back to his past, but it was like looking into a blind spot. Oh well, Stan said. Let's just say that we met in a previous life. Lucas's smirk turned into a frown. What the hell is that supposed to mean? He thought, but then he realized how he must have looked so he smiled and shrugged. Well, hell, that was intriguing. You'll be wondering about that all day, Ron said to Lucas. Lucas nodded and looked around. No one else seemed to think that the moment was as uncomfortable as it had been for him. Ron flicked the lights on, and Lucas went and found a seat. Welcome to this week's networking meeting. I'm the chapter president, Ron, and this week, we'll start with my presentation. But if this is your first time, I'll explain to you what we do here. We meet weekly, get to know one another, and then refer business to one another by requesting each week what we are looking for. I'm Ron with PCL Financial. This week, I'm looking to make contact with the owner of the new polo field that is coming into the area. As you know, I'm your chapter financial advisor. If your bank account is being fickle, then bring it to the pickle. PCL Financial Ron sat down and the next person stood and introduced themselves and explained their business. Ah, this shit is repetitive, Lucas thought. He stopped paying attention to each speaker as they went in rotation, and he found himself watching Stan. Stan was sitting directly across from Lucas in the U-shaped formation the tables were set in. He was scratching the table with his pointer finger slowly. <laughs> we need a landscaping company in this chapter, Lucas thought, so someone can cut his damn nails and get them under control. From where Lucas sat, it appeared as though Stan's finger was pointed, like a crudely sharpened pencil. And here is Missy! George, the short, mumbly plumber, said, A tall, raven-haired woman stood up and said, Hi, I'm Missy Gristwood with Blackstone Real Estate. I'm your local residential realtor. The referral I'm looking for today is for that young family just getting started in life. Lucas stopped paying attention. Missy was a mediocre realtor who spent more time at whatever town luncheon her broker paid for than she did selling houses. She had sold a couple of Lucas's properties, though. Well, not really. She had listed them. There was a big difference between listing and selling. What Misty had done within the group was console two of the men who had recently been divorced with ample personal attention. There was even a rumor that a business after-hours backseat defiling had been cause of one of those divorces. It had also been the cause of three other members leaving the group, the man who'd, per her request, defiled Missy in the back seat of his Dodge pickup, and two other members who were friends of the man's wife. The next person to stand up was Alan, the commercial banker, one of several different bankers within the group. Alan was the best at referring business in the group, half of the income that Lucas had closed since he'd been there, and he'd been there a while now was because of Alan. The man could network with the best of them, but the man was also a cutthroat asshole of a banker who screwed Lucas out of several projects by turning down financing just to reward it to another contractor with less credit on similar or more expensive jobs. Lucas had heard rumor on two occasions that the contractors had done work gratis on Alan's house. Someone could say that these were just rumors, but Lucas knew the man, many in the group's favorite person, and his history, and that history was dirty as weak old soiled underroos. Lucas spaced out for a few minutes when finally it came around to him. He stood up and said, Ah, I'm, I'm Lucas with LC Builders, your general contractor. Today I'm looking for someone who is unhappy with the home they are in and who wants to upgrade their living space. He was saying the same thing he said last week and the three weeks before. After coming to this meeting every week, he found himself stuck in a rut of repetition. It was hard to be original every week for seven years. He was running on autopilot until he made eye contact with Stan, who was grinning at him still. Stan was still scratching the table in front of him, and Lucas was shocked when he noticed that the man's long, sharp fingernail was peeling up pieces of the plastic. He was etching something into the surface of the table. Earth to Lucas, Mr. Builderman, Tate was saying, and everyone laughed. Uh, s- sorry, Lucas said, peeling his eyes away from Stan. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back, Ron said, smiling. Yeah, sorry, you know, late night with the little ones, you know, uh, whole family's been sick, Lucas said as he looked around the room. There were a lot of smiling, curious faces, but none of that curiosity seemed directed at Stan, who was now using the same finger to pick his teeth. He looked at Lucas, yawned a wide, gaping yawn, his jaw seeming to unhinge. But that's not even possible, Lucas thought, and passed it off as the man's mouth just being unusually large. Lucas started to stare again as he mumbled the rest of his presentation. A large black fly flew out of Stan's mouth and landed on the table. Right as Lucas introduced Tina and sat down, Stan slapped the fly with a napkin. Nearly everyone jumped except for Lucas, who didn't move a muscle and only stared. Fear had turned his whole body into a heavy lump, like a numb limb from an uncomfortable night's sleep. There was a tingling sensation running up the back of his neck and a feeling that he needed to get up and leave, but, but, no one else noticed. No one else seemed to think a thing in the world had gone wrong. The earth was still spinning and circling the sun just like any other morning, but for Lucas, they were all staring down a hurling meteor. But they never really notice anything, do they, Lucas thought. Sorry, but I couldn't let this little fellow wreak havoc on our meeting, Stan said. The room was silent until one person, Tate, Lucas thought, laughed, and then everyone laughed. The group continued to stand and give its announcements. Lucas looked up and noticed that the two people sitting next to Stan, Starla on the left and George on the right, had both moved to the edge of their chairs and were sitting closer to him. Stan was still scratching away at the desk with his fingernail, and Lucas could hear it. The noise was grating on his nerve. His ears suddenly felt as though he was in the depths of the ocean, and the pressure was building. Sweat beaded on his brow as a wave of nausea washed over him. He looked away from Stan, and all of it went away. He was just sitting in his chair, and everything was fine. Someone at the far end of the room was giving their presentation. Lucas could hear the scratching sound, but it was far off and unimportant, like someone clicking a pin or tapping their foot. He looked around at the group he'd grown to know so well. Most of them were watching the speaker, but with vacant expressions. They are a million miles away, Lucas thought. He quickly realized that the others in the room hadn't really noticed Stan because they weren't paying attention to anything. They never really did, though. Many of them only showed up to either drink coffee and bullshit before and after the meeting, or in hopes that someone would pass them a referral. In many ways, it was a social club, which might have been a more honest angle, though a couple of the members sincerely worked hard for the others. These were also the more successful of the group, like Tara, a sales lady for a medical supplement supplier. She made a killing off of the group, but she also worked her ass off to pass referrals and help others. As for Lucas, he knew he only trusted a handful of them. When called on, he'd give a positive testimonial for anyone, even Tate, who he thought was a pedantic turd. As long as we all get our own, he thought, and then he tried to keep his eyes down. When it came time for Stan to introduce himself, The collective texting and booger-mining stopped. Everyone seemed to lean in, to be drawn in. Stan stood up and looked silently at the group. With what Lucas thought to be false timidity, Well, what am I supposed to say? Just introduce yourself, Ron said. Yeah, we are dying to know who you are and where you come from, Missy said and leaned forward pressing her considerable breasts against the table so that her cleavage was magnified. Lucas thought this was strange, even for Missy. He had a thought then, and it was loud and clear. Leave now. Get up and leave now. But he couldn't. For some strange reason, he just couldn't bring himself out of his seat. He looked around to see if anyone else was showing any sign of feeling this way. No one moved from their seat, but no one looked under duress either. Well, only as long as you promise to be dying, Stan said and smiled. It was a wide, beautiful smile for a second. But then Lucas thought he saw a fly's wing stuck to one of Stan's teeth. How many teeth does he have? Lucas wondered. Stan's mouth was six inches too wide and stuffed with a dozen extra piano-key-like teeth. He began to sweat as the air seemed to thicken with suffocating heat. He looked around again and saw everyone else beginning to go back to their normal routine of not giving a shit what the speaker was saying. Tate was on his phone. Chris and Linda were whispering and giggling like schoolgirls. Missy was taking a selfie and probably snapping it to one of the other men in the room. You'd think it was just another day, Lucas thought, except for the heat. Kate's head was pouring sweat from a brow with no hair to catch it. His glasses were fogging up and he kept taking them off and wiping them on his shirt. But his conversations never slowed. Chris and Linda were red faced and Missy was rosy cheeked with her large breasts swollen and flushed, beads of sweat slipping down the slopes into the crevice beneath her scarlet brazier. Lucas looked to his immediate left and right where he was sitting next to Alex and Paul. Alex was slipping her skirt up a little higher as though she were trying to cool herself, and Paul was loosening his tie, one of those stupid little ones with the smiley faces on it. But everyone was carrying on and leaning in to see what Stan was saying. Missy unclipped the front of her bra, and her enormous breasts went from high and tight to swing low sweet chariot. Come on me and carry me home. Despite the queer nature of the rest of the morning, Lucas found himself a little jealous of the men of Missy's rumors. When he looked up, Stan was grinning at him. He felt a cold shudder run through his body. I'm Stan, and though I've been working for myself for longer than you could imagine, you could say that I'm involved in many businesses. His fingers are in a lot of pies, Lucas heard Missy whisper to Sharon. He turned to see that her left hand was stroking Sharon's long, lean thighs. The fuck is happening here? Lucas tried to say, but when he did, no sound came from his mouth. Look at yourselves, he tried to scream. You're staring at something evil, and you're looking like you're staring at Brad fucking Pitt. There was still no sound, and Lucas only puffed like a fish trying to breathe out of water. Do something, he thought, but he couldn't stand or turn away. He could move his hands, though. He took out his phone, swiped up, and tapped the camera icon. He flipped the view around and looked at himself. His face was white and his eyes had bags under them. No, he didn't look like everyone else in the room, who other than being exceedingly hot and excited seemed lost in captive ecstasy. He turned his phone's camera around so that it faced Stan and Lucas froze. The tall, handsome man was gone. But in its place was a tall, brownish-red beast, covered in thin, mangy black hair. Deep purple sores and pockmarks covered its red skin, and its voice was a strange growl. Lucas looked up from his phone and saw Stan speaking with his Hollywood jawline and cheekbones. Well, I guess that it could be said best that I'm in sales and acquisitions? I make certain mergers happen, and I'm an expert in networking. in placing the right people in the lives of others at the right times does play out in a way that helps my business. Sounds like our kind of man, Ron said and laughed, all the while undoing the top button on his shirt. A nest of gray, sweaty chest hair stuck out. Your kind of man, Stan said. No, I'm I'm not a man. Everyone laughed at this except for Lucas, who was trying to shout at everyone, but the words were just not coming. No, he wasn't a man. He was definitely not a man. And I am not one of your kind. His joke met silence until he smiled, and then everyone laughed again. Stan, or whatever he was, looked again at Lucas and smiled a knowing smile. I've lost my fucking mind, Lucas thought. He had to get up and he had to leave. He was surprised to find that he could get up and he did quickly. He got up and walked towards the door and just as he passed the last table, he had a clean getaway directly in front of him. But instead of going straight, he suddenly veered left. He tried to turn, but his body did not respond to his will. Is this what it feels like to be a self-driving vehicle, he thought deliriously? But if he were self-driving, his autopilot had a glitch in the GPS. He walked briskly past the front of the room and into the hallway towards the back of the building and entered the bathroom. Once inside, he nearly collapsed, catching himself on the white porcelain sink. His whole body quaked, and the knot in his gut forced its way to his throat. He lunged into the stall and vomited into the toilet. Snot dripped into the bowl as he spit up the last bile-covered chunks from his mouth. He felt better for a moment, and he flushed the toilet and went back to the sink. His pallid face was almost unrecognizable as he washed it with cold water. He began to feel a wave of relief settle over him, as though it had all been some weird dream. Maybe I am just sick, he thought. Maybe I've got some kind of food poisoning. Isn't that what shrooms do to you? give you food poisoning? What if it's just something I ate? He had all of these thoughts until the door swung open and fear again wrapped its tendrils around him. It's him, Lucas thought, but then he was relieved to see it was just Tate. Jesus, you look like hell, Tate said, wiping the sweat from his own forehead with a paper towel. Weird. I didn't even know it was hot in there, but it must be. Gah, I'm sweating. Lucas didn't say anything, but he just watched him. He wondered if maybe Tate had also been trying to leave but had not been allowed. But Tate looked like he always did. Hey, Lucas, I'm okay with a little shitter chit-chat, but I'd rather you look the other way. You're not one of those dudes, are you, you know? You're not going to go around tapping your foot underneath the stall doors, are you? Lucas forced himself to smirk and even chuckled weakly. I'm not feeling well, sorry. I can see that, Tate said as he went into the other stall. Lucas was glad because he hadn't gone to check and see whether or not he'd puked on the seat. Some day today, huh? Tate asked without giving time for Lucas to respond. That new guy is something else. He is. He is something else. Don't you find him to be a little weird? I mean, look at the way everyone is acting. Lucas didn't know how to say what he wanted to say. In case he was going crazy, he didn't want to just come out and say, The man's a fucking pimple-faced furball from hell! Jesus, Luke, why are you so damn cynical all the time? The man's a stud! But you've always got some opinion of everybody. You really need to read that one book that Ron's always referring to. You know, the one about positivity? You're kind of a Nancy, did you know that? Tate said as he flushed and stepped out to wash his hands. This is different, Tate, Lucas said, staring at the door. This isn't normal. Tate gave Luke a sidelong glance and shook his head. Are you on something, man? Lucas shook his head no, and then realized that if Tate was not seeing what he saw, then it must be him. I've lost my fucking mind, he thought. Tate left the bathroom, and Lucas looked at the window. Well, if I'm fucking crazy, at least I can be crazy on the street, he mumbled to himself. He dumped the paper towels out of the trash can and flipped it over so that he could stand on it. He slid the window open, and just as he reached to pull himself through, it slammed closed on its own, sending him sprawling onto the floor behind him where he hid his head on the corner of the wall. Things went blurry for a second before coming back into focus. He stood on shaking legs and stumbled towards the door. He was going to make a run for it. He threw the door open, but when he did, he was once again being pulled towards his seat, his legs walking on the commands of another's will. Stan was still talking when Lucas came back. Everyone in the room sat in rapt attention, but the energy in the room had changed. Instead of looking aroused and sweaty, they all had cold, blank stares. They look wary, Lucas thought. Wary, not outright frightened as they should be. Lucas found control over himself yet again as he sat. He was able to turn his head, and everyone was still staring at Stan. Ah, we're all here again. We are at the testimonials part of your meeting, which is something I believe you all do every week. Lucas had a thought earlier. I rather enjoyed it. But he thinks of this group and especially this portion of the meeting, as a sort of back-scratch circle-jerk, Stan said in howled laughter that sounded more appropriate to the creature Lucas had seen earlier than a man. So here's the gig. You all are going to give your real testimonials. And you're going to say what you really think of the last person you've done business with here. If you lie, you go in the pit. If you tell the truth, you keep your skin. Easy as that. Lucas looked around and saw that everyone had seemed to come out from under the strange trance that they had been in. He heard mumbling around the room as he saw the shocked look on the faces of the men and women he spoke with every week. Silence! The Stan... Thing boomed, and everyone immediately shut up. There, good. Now we'll start with you, sir, on my left. Doug was your name, right? Doug nodded slowly. Good. Stand up and give us your real testimonial, and then we'll see if you go in the pit or not. Doug stood slowly with a strange smirk on his face. Lucas noticed that almost everyone around the room seemed to think this was nothing more than a strange interruption or a poor joke. But still no one spoke out against it. He is still controlling them, just like he controlled me, Lucas thought. But it's not the same. They don't know that they've been controlled. They don't know. I'd like to give a testimonial to Lucy with the uh the print shop. We ha- we had some flyers uh to make, and, and she got them done in a timely manner and at a fair price, Doug said. Nothing else? Stan asked, disappointed. Well, you know, she'd, she'd just eaten lunch and, and her office smelled a little bit like garlic, but other than that, Doug said and smiled. The rest of the crowd chuckled a little uncomfortably. Anything that wasn't positive was always met with this same sort of uncomfortable laughter as though they were all afraid that little truths and insecurities may be revealed. That's too bad, Doug. I was hoping that you would set a better tone than this. But as it were, into the pit you go, Stan said, and he flicked his finger up in the air. In the center of the U-shaped configuration of tables, the carpet lifted slightly, as though a giant bubble were forming under the ground. Then the world inside the room seemed to heave and groan, and in the center of the room, no more than six feet across, a giant pit appeared as the floor collapsed. A miasma, like singed human hair and death, belched out into the room. The smell was returned with that of piss and vomit. Then more screams as Doug was thrown into the pit head first. The last of Doug that Lucas saw, was one of his gray loafers flying off of his foot as he was pulled into the abyss. Aha! Stan shouted. I'm a man of my word, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you be able to speak to my follow-through? Have you ever seen better follow-through? No? I'll take your silence as an affirmation. Next, no one moved. Lucas could see that everyone was trying as hard as they could to run, but only their eyes could move, or the slight turning of their heads. Neil, a car salesman, was trying as hard as he could to turn his head left, but all he was doing was looking so hard in that direction that the whites of his eyes were all Lucas could see. Then, suddenly, Elise stood up like a marionette being pulled by a novice puppeteer. Well, give us your testimonies, Stan demanded. And Elise whimpered. Stan said, Perhaps you'd like to go straight into the pit, then. No, Elise said. No! Well, then speak, and the rest of you need to take notice here, Stan said. Now, speak. The final word coming out in a hellish command. Uh, okay, I... I just passed G- 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 George this th- business this w- week. Uh, I, w- I was going to say that he had done a great job and that I'd recommend t- him to anyone, b- but ah, but what? That's not really how these things go. Is it? Stan said. No 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 n- no no. She said sheepishly and then as quickly as she could he left piles of garbage everywhere Everywhere, in his guys left cigarette butts on the, my concrete patio. My husband was going to leave a horrible rating on Google, but I talked him out of it. Ah, that's it. Yes, that is it. Truth. You see, the truth will set you. Well, yada, 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 platitudes and bullshit. Now, dear old doughy Doug and Elise here are just a few examples for the rest of you. Elise has not told us the full truth of her experience. But she stepped in that direction, so I'll give her a pass to show you all how this works. Elise gets to stay, Stan was saying as he paced back and forth across the front of the room, swatting at flies that occasionally flew out from his mouth. Occasionally, he would catch one and eat it. Next, he said. This meant Lex. The electrician had to stand and talk. Normally, once Lex started with a testimonial, he'd transition into how that related to the way he did business, and then he'd drone on, for far past the timer, about his own integrity. He stood quickly, his head glistening with sweat as the crotch of his jeans darkened. My name is Lex Longley, and I own Longley Electrical. I I recently did business with Lucas on a small rental house. Lucas winced at the sound of his name. I told him I would be there at 10 in the morning, but he didn't get the doors unlocked until almost noon. He had some piss-poor excuse about the resident having said that she would be there to unlock it for him. I, I paid two hours for one of my techs to sit and bat around his dick while waiting for lucas to finally answer his phone which if you've ever done business with him you know never happens he always calls you back but only after hours hours later is that all stan said his voice on the verge of growling again he he took he took two weeks to pay which he said was a billing cycle but that that but all my other contractors who are worth a shit pay immediately like said One more chance, Lex, Stan said, and the rest of you won't even get that many. Lex closed his eyes and said, He's a condescending prick who doesn't know how miserable he is. (laughs) Ah, Stan roared and smiled. His mouth stretched so far and wide it nearly split his head in two. That is honesty and honesty from a sniveling and self-loathing weasel, but honesty nonetheless. And who do we have now? The next person in the group was Kyle Alexander. He was a shifty-eyed sneak of a banker as far as Lucas was concerned. Kyle stood slowly and looked around at the room. His eyes darted left or right as if he was looking for some way out, and then they rested on the pit where smoke was beginning to rise. Fire takes a little fuel, Stan said. Now on with it! We have a busy morning in front of us. Well, I've been doing business with Missy lately, Kyle said slowly. (sighs) Ah, yes, and has this business been fulfilling for the either of you? She... She took about three weeks longer to sell my house than I thought it should have taken. There were two good offers that she screwed up on, I thought. He said, looking at the pit. So it is, but that's not all, is it? Uh, I, I don't know, okay? He shouted. I mean, sure, she spends more time staring at her own tits than she does working, but that's why we all hire her, isn't it? Yes, but that's just a surface truth, is it not? We need more. Stan said, and on the word more, the pit swelled. She! She! Ah, well, yes, she is a she. Too slow, my man. In you go! And as Kyle left his seat in the same way Doug did, Lucas felt his bladder nearly loosen. He was still waiting to wake up from the nightmare he was sure to be having. He looked at Stan. Stan seemed to grow, his arms fattened as black fur sprouted from the collar of his shirt. His face looked less handsome and more like that of the beast his wide grin gaining a few more teeth, and his brow protruded. More people went as Lucas realized that in the order they'd gone, he'd be towards the end. It came to Missy, and she stood up. I work with a lot of you, she said, just above a whisper, her face gaunt but still painted with makeup. I serve a lot of you but most recently I sold Ron's personal home. He was impossible to work with. He rarely returned calls, and when he did, he was typically unhappy with something that could have been cleared up by answering his ignored phone. Tut-tut, haven't we learned, dear? Stan said as his voice continued to deepen, the pockmarks cratering into his once smooth-looking flesh. The man faded as the monster was coming out. Each time the pit swallowed someone, he grew more monstrous. Missy became frantic. He he never stopped staring at my tits. These, right here. Here they are. Do you all see them? Yes, I have large breasts. Yes, I used to be a model and I'm still pretty. No, I'm not young and sexy anymore, but I'm not some used vehicle for you to all park your peckers in. Ron. And of all of the peckers I don't want to see ever again, it's yours. It's long and it's oddly thin, she shrieked. And you don't know what to fucking do with it. The monster in the front of the room was pacing back and forth and booming with laughter. The harder he laughed, the more beast-like his face became. And and none of you... None have ever done a damn thing for me. It's all about what I can do for you. Do a CMA on my house, Missy. What is my business worth, Missy? Come over to my rental house, Missy, and tell me what to rent it for. Take off your blouse, Missy. Be a come deposit, Missy. Well, I'm done. I'm through with it. Do you hear me? I'm through. She collapsed into her seat her formidable chest heaving in sobs. Snot weeped from her nostrils as she lay her face down on the table. Ah, the soul laid bare. Now don't you feel better, Missy? The thing at the front of the room asked. Missy didn't respond. The next up was Darlene. She was one of the few people in this room that Lucas considered honest, and she was very much like everyone's grandmother. She stood and looked directly at the thing in the front of the room, her round face puffy with tears. I don't know what you are or where you come from, but you can't do this. You are a vile and pathetic creature whose life is worth nothing. If God wants me to die in that pit, in front of you, then perhaps I deserve it, but I am not giving you anything. The beast at the front of the room looked at her stood up to its full height and bellowed at her, its face twisting as the humanity left it. It was a disfigured and burned thing with small, black, keratin-like protrusions curling up from its scalp and its marred cheeks. It roared again and Darlene was slammed back down into her seat. Next, the creature demanded. Tate stood, swaying on the spot looking from Darlene to the beast and from the beast to Darlene. Nothing happened. I, uh, I've been working with a lot of you lately, and, uh... And you're too damn slow, the creature roared. In! Lucas closed his eyes as Tate flew into the pit. When it came to Lucas's turn, the creature smiled. Ah, the enigma,
1: the cynic.
0: The one who nearly escaped us today, it said. Tell us, Lucas. Why is it that you see so clearly? What do you think of everyone in here? Lucas stood on shaking legs and looked around slowly. Well, I haven't done a lot of business with the people in here, actually, Lucas said. Don't take too long, damn it. Talk, he thought. And then the words just began to flow out of him. The people I've done business with have been all, all right, mostly. I mean, in comparison to the other shitty work that people do in this town, I, I can't really complain. But that doesn't mean I like any of you. I mean, I've thought so far that you're all a bunch of people that are just full of shit. I mean, to me, it seems that everyone puts on the face in here, but once you're out in the wide world, you piss on each other if it helps you get any further ahead. I mean, look at what you've all done to Missy. Yes, and what else, Lucas? I believe that you, of all people, have more to say, the beast groaned. Yeah, maybe I do, Lucas said and looked around the group as if he were seeing them all for the first time. He looked at Missy, the empty seats, and then he looked down at Darlene and smiled. You know, I don't know about you all, But I've never really enjoyed coming here. I can't stand all of the sunshine and roses bullshit. Take Tate, for example. Tate grates on my nerves as soon as I lay eyes on him. But maybe that's just it. Maybe that's the key to it all, and why, when you're all in networking heaven, I'm sitting in the corner of my own private hell. I tell myself that I'm seeing everything clearly, and that I'm the only realistic one, but maybe I'm not realistic. Maybe I'm just an asshole. We're all here trying to better ourselves, and we do it by trying to better each other. I couldn't see that before. Maybe that's why I saw you, he said, looking at the creature. I saw you for a monster as soon as I laid eyes on you. We can smell our own. You're nothing but cynicism and anger under the disguise of truth. The monster stared at him with his large yellow cat eyes. Then he began to quiver and then shake violently. He roared and yelled. Yes, that is it! That is truth! Fuck you! Fuck you! And into the pit you go! Lucas's feet pulled free from the ground, and Darlene grabbed onto him. She nearly came off of the ground with him. The spell broke, and those who remained from the group grabbed onto his feet and pulled him back. The monster roared, and a blaze of flames in the shape of fiery hands reached toward Lucas, but they fell short. Hey, Builderman, yo, Earth to Lucas, he heard a voice saying as he opened his eyes and sat up. Hey, there he is, Tate was saying. Everyone was laughing except for one person who sat and grinned at Lucas. You really need to get some nights off, man. That new baby is going to make you get in a car wreck. Lucas sat up to see the room was full and that he'd been lying on the side of his face, drooling on the table. Everyone was there, the whole group, and they all laughed, but looked a little concerned. Lucas stood up to speak and watched as Stan sat across from him, scratching the table, his grin looking manic and growing whiter and whiter and whiter. What's it like being
1: dead? It's like pudding. What? Well you realize as the self disintegrates and all senses, faculties, and self awareness crumble to dust. That the fundamental consistency of the experience of reality is a lot, like the consistency of pudding. Particularly a smooth dark chocolate pudding. I I believe that attaining true direct knowledge of this fact is the basis for enlightenment that underlies all the great mystical systems. Um, Also, I realized that the spare car key I've been looking for for months is at the top left desk drawer at the back, behind the jar of fingernails. So what are you up to today? A normal
0: Saturday, unfortunately.
1: Hey, want to go down to the RV place and look at the boats with me? Monster Porn is a production of Warped Box Media. Today's story was Scratch Circle Jerk by Matt Cummins, which was also the title of our recording session. Music by me. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MonsterPR0N and like us on Facebook. Good day, Monster Baiters. Brett here. If you like this episode of Monster Porn, first, you need a girlfriend. And second, you need a boat. Third, please rate and review us on iTunes because it helps us out a great deal and it only takes a minute. Be sure to look at our merch store before it looks at you. You definitely want to wear the awesome Nick Calavera tee before it decides to wear you instead. It's made of premium moisturized human leather. Oh wait, no, that's you. Teespring.com slash stores slash monster porn. We're still open for bonus episode submissions. If you are a weird writer, no, like, I mean a weird writer, check out our website for guidelines, monsterpornpodcast.com slash submissions. Thank you all for listening and supporting Monster Porn Podcast. I guess this is goodbye. Until next time, Monster Baiters, stay weird, and Godspeed, Strange Cowboy. It's like pudding. What? <laughs>
0: well he wasn't in the library in the section of musty old books with the weird letters. And he wasn't down at the river seeking the wisdom from the monster river monster that fishing show <laughs> Fish on <laughs> Sorry Bah <laughs> what did I trip on? Where is this mound of dirt? What where did this come from? What the fuck am I
1: reading? <laughs> it
0: does bear very little resemblance yeah. <laughs> yeah gonna have a full house a gray haired gray haired <laughs> gray haired <laughs> okay lumpy tan skin and a bald head to boot i sounded so canadian just then <laughs> We're going to leave it. <laughs> tater wants to tongue juggle. <laughs> tongue juggle is kind of hard to say.
1: Why, is there
0: something in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I knew the words tater tot were coming, so I was thinking, oh, I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> okay. Uh, just balls in mouth again. <laughs> All right. I'm a man of my word, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you be able to speak to my (laughs) follow-through? I didn't. I got really confused there. (laughs) Next, he said. Oh, shit. (laughs) He said casually, as if next is casual. The pockmarks cratering into his once smooth-looking flesh, Cassidy, stop texting me, you're ruining shit. Just joking, babe. I love you. And all all of the peckers I don't want to see, you're... What the fuck am I reading? I totally butchered all of that. <laughs>
1: it's because you went to confession mode. I know.
0: Wait, I know. Why did I say that? Flames shot out of the pit like a fire... Why do I keep making up stuff that's not written down? Because <laughs> uh, okay. it sucks so much. But looked a little concerned. Duh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for that drop.
0: <laughs> fuck you! Fuck you! And into the pit you go! Lucas's feet pulled free of the god. What are your
1: fucking neighbors gonna
0: think of that? <laughs>
1: I just pictured Oprah, like, pointing around at the audience. Fuck you. You Fuck you. You You get a fuck you.
0: (laughs) Into the pit you go. Oh, this story would have been better if it was Oprah.